For my light bulb moment this week, we're going to have a, a little bit more of a conversation as we've had over the last three years since inception about beauty changes lives. And in particular, we've got some time sensitive dates coming up here. So special guests, uh, we have Megan Hayden from uh, Beauty Changes Lives, which we'll get to you in a second there. And also joining us is Megan Jasper of Gadabout um, and Jana Frank uh, and Megan, the people at Gadabout have really been sort of waysayers, uh, I'm sorry, way showers uh, for this important initiative. So I'm going to pull this up on the screen here and give you just a little bit of basic information about one day, one ticket, one million, uh, which is coming up next month. And uh, we would love to have more people participate in this. I'm going to bring up the QR code here. Um, and then Megan, um, if this QR code is something different, you could put in the chat. Oh, looks like you have it on yours. So let's bring both of you to the mic and the screen. Uh, Megan, good morning. Good morning. Okay. Thank you so much for having us. Pardon me. We have double Megans here. <laughs> All right. Including a surprise, Megan, forget <laughs> about. Good morning, both of you. Thanks for joining us. So, uh, Megan, let me, uh, Megan Hayden, let me start with you. Um, and you, of course, why don't you describe your role at Beauty Changes Lives and why you're so passionate about what you do? Of course. So um, thank you so much for having us and letting us share a little bit about Beauty Changes Lives with your amazing community here. My name is Megan Hayden, and I am lucky enough to be the communications director for Beauty Changes Lives, which means I get to go out into the community and tell more folks and share my passion about everything that we're doing uh, here at BCL. And one of our, our biggest tenants, as you know, uh, we started as a scholarship foundation. And that is the bulk of what we do here at Beauty Changes Lives is presenting uh, and providing funds for those who might not be able to go to cosmetology school, barber school, um, anywhere that you are in your beauty journey. We have resources for you from scholarships to mentorships, advanced education, all the way on to entrepreneurial grants. So we're just really here. I'm passionate about sharing that these opportunities exist. And, you know, we've got a special guest here, Megan, who's going to help me in just a minute talk about some of the ways that we fund these amazing programs. Of course, you know that all of these programs take funding and our biggest fundraiser of the year is coming up on March 21st. Um, and it is called One Day, One Ticket, One Million Possibilities. I don't know how much you background you've given everybody on it. I, I've we've been talking about it most every week. And so Megan Jasper, get about really, I would have to give you credit because I think last year you were the ones. I mean, I, first of all, Candy Shaw is really the visionary behind this. Uh, and immediately when she came up with this, I remember sitting in the board, you know, and I'm like bored me and thinking like this thing's got some legs to it, you know, and then last year was very successful. So a lot of efforts going into this. So Megan, why don't, Megan Jasper, why don't you talk about how people will get involved in this? Absolutely. Happy Valentine's Day, Tom. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> um, so I am here in place of Jana. As you mentioned, she is traveling today, but she is on the board and super passionate. And when 
ever either Westerby gets an idea or a spark or a light bulb in their mind, you know, it's like wildfire around here. And so they have um, spearheaded this opportunity, not only within Gadabout Salon Spas, but this year really growing it into the industry and becoming um, Janice now a board member and able to help kind of support Beauty Changes Lives um, more directly outside of our internal community. So what we did last year is we had one-on-ones. We have our annual one-on-ones that we do every season one um, with our technical team. And we encouraged them and invited them during their one-on-one to donate one ticket from their day. So whatever service they wanted to donate, it could be a haircut, it could be a carousel treatment, it could be a three-dimensional foil plus a treatment plus a gloss plus of this plus of that be anything they wanted and they would donate excuse me their commissioned portion and Gadabout would donate our commission our half right so it was a a win-win for both and last year we had uh, I want to say right around 75 percent participation we raised internally about um uh, somewhere around $12,000. And so we modeled that again this year and sat down with everybody on our team, including our hourly staff this year. So we included every single person in our company. And we have um, almost eclipsed 90%. And we currently have about $17,500 pledged. That deserves another light bulb, a light bulb for action, um, turn an idea into action. That's amazing. Megan, a um, uh, couple quick questions. One for Megan Jasper again, then Megan uh, Hayden, just kind of give people the, you know, the download, how to get involved, all of that. Um, but Megan Jasper, just a quick question. How, how did that make your staff feel? I mean, oh. how did they feel to be part of something like this? It's incredible to, to see the excitement when last year when they were signing up honestly they had no idea what they were saying yes to our culture our company is one of yes and you just kind of do it and figure it out and our leadership team they're they're so excited when they get this idea and they want to move forward and so everyone says yes or a little over 75% said yes and then the day of so i don't know what day it was last year but this year will be march 21st everybody's wearing their beauty changes lives t-shirts there's all of this energy around it um jana and wiley went to every location and we filmed it and you know it was we had a potluck that day we just made it about beauty changes lives and they got to tell the story time and time and time again for every guest that was in their chair we encouraged the team not to share with one person, but to share with every person that that's the ticket that was donated so the guests could get involved. Um, we had guests that were writing checks the day of because they wanted to support it. It was just this viral, it was just viral excitement, viral energy that was all about our industry. And so often as a company, you're donating, right? We donate gift baskets, we donate cash sponsorships, we're donating to this community. But this is really the first opportunity that our team had to all come together, to band together, to hold hands, to link arms and donate themselves. It's a, it sounds like a quadruple win. All right, Megan Hayden, give us the download. How does someone, how does someone get involved? We've got the QR code. 
Um, yes. Are there any deadlines coming up? Absolutely. So the actual one day one ticket is March 21st, which is three, two, one. But in order to get your celebration kit, which includes those awesome t-shirts, includes a door cling and mirror clings, it gives you everything you need for your team to discuss this with their clients all day. To get that in time, you have to register by March 1st. So that's coming up quickly. Everybody, you can use the QR code right here, or I've also put the link in the chat so that you can sign up, learn all about it. There's different package levels, all the way from an individual artist to a small salon or spa team, all the way to a large salon or spa team. And if you need a super mega salon spa team, you can email me directly and we will make sure that you get that as well. But March 1st is the deadline to get the swag in time. All right, we'll do a reminder next week. Thanks to both of you. Before you go, in the interest of Valentine's Day, I have a question for you, okay? So do you still do the cheesy cards like Mary and I still do? Come on. All right. Megan, Megan Jasper. Yes. Yes. Megan Hayden. No cheesy cards, but I did make about 20 Valentine's Day for my son's school last night. <laughs> I did I give Megan a cheesy Valentine card. <laughs> well, that sounds good. It's nice to know I'm not the only one. And if- you know, this year I purposely picked the cheesiest one possible. So, all right. Thanks to both of you. I so appreciate you being on there. Also, shout out to Jan and Frank, who are really behind this thing. And, um, you know, so uh, Megan uh, um, Hayden uh, will certainly be doing weekly reminders on this because we're, uh, of course, um, big promoters of this. So thanks to both of you. Thanks. Tom. Thank you. All right. So let's now bring to the uh, camera and uh, off mic, uh, on mic, on camera, on mic, uh, Cash Lawless and Jordan Drake. Uh, there you guys are. How are you? Oh, Cash. Oh, there he is. We're doing good. Thanks, Tom, <laughs> for having us. Well, Jordan Drake, you're... Uh, you're the the bonus guest here. I found out. Yeah, I found out last week you're going to join us too. So uh, we didn't we didn't acknowledge you and your great background. We'll get to that in a moment. But uh, so first question, you know, Cash, um, are you the cheesy card guy too? Sorry, I just have to ask. No, no? I'm not because my wife is not. Uh, okay, sh- she would prefer a glass of wine or a margarita or something like that. <laughs> and <laughs> she'll get it too. <laughs> yeah, she, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, she will. Many of them. Well, I, I had the uh, opportunity to get to know you guys uh, late last summer and into the fall. And we um, um, were introduced by Wynn Claybaugh and anytime Wynn Claybaugh introduces people, you pay attention. And um, he, he did not disappoint uh, in this particular It was great to first meet you, Cash. Well, actually, I think I met both of you at the same time. And um, so your podcast is Millionaire Hairstylist and uh, Jordan, you're the host. Okay. And then Cash, you're the, what's the right word? I sort of uh, just say something and then Jordan says it way better and keeps the show going on. (laughs) Well, and uh, so you, uh, you're a dynamic duo, but you're more the face behind the brand, Cash. That's very fair. Yes, absolutely. All right. But you're a dynamic dyad, and Jordan, I'm going to get to your background. Uh, I, I love being able to talk to guys like you because, you know, it always brings this sort of like fantasy of like film producing and all that kind of stuff because what you are, I want to make sure I get it right, you're a working film producer. You do commercials, feature films, TV. You're based in New York, and, 
you know, so really uh, fantastic background. I just would love to geek out with you on that sometime another day. Definitely. And then Cash, uh, you were not just a hairstylist, um, uh, but a celebrity hairstylist um, with some big ni- big names such as Justin Bieber and all of that, you know, several other people. You probably have this long list. And then, but you retired from hairdressing in 2021 and you're an entrepreneur and you're an investor um, as well as the, um, um, you know, face of the podcast. So really super interesting story to unpack with both of you guys here. Thanks for Um, having us. You know, we aligned pretty instantly uh, because my understanding, and you've repeated this um, many times, is that you know, you really want to address the, oh, you have such great words. And I just, uh, financial well-being, okay. Um, financial well, uh, well-being well of the hairdressing community, uh, the pro-beauty community. So we obviously have a lot in common there. We have different ways of manifesting it. There's some different, you know, approaches that we each take. But what a fascinating um, thing that you're doing. Um, I love your podcast. I was honored to be on it. It was a ton of fun. I know Aaron was on there too. And um, I've been dying to get both you guys on here. So again, thanks for joining us. Of course. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. So we'll explore several different things. And one is, you know, so um, uh, Cash, you retired from hairdressing and you built up some significant net worth. Uh, you obviously made some very smart financial decisions. And, you know, we had this conversation yesterday. I said, you know, you really strike me as an entrepreneur. Well, you're an entrepreneur and an investor. And, you know, there's a difference between being an entrepreneur and a small business owner. Okay. You're an entrepreneur and an investor, and you also happen to be a small business owner. I mean, you have interests. And why don't you talk about some of your other business interests outside of beauty, that beauty actually gave you the opportunity to get into. Uh, yeah, I had a I had a wonderful career in beauty. Uh, I was working hairdresser for about let's say twelve years, something like that. And um, I was in a long distance marriage for seven years. I met the woman of my life and decided, you know what, uh, I have to figure out some way to be able to afford this. And I was working in New York and LA and kind of career trapped uh, in those in those geographies. And she lived in Texas, so I so I thought the best way to do this is take what little money I have and try and multiply it. Cause if I can't earn my way to where I need to get. And so I kept on working and I started investing in real estate. So I bought my first rental property since then I bought over 800 properties. And, um, my wife and I, we co-own a nationwide real estate investing firm together. It's headquartered here in, uh, Dallas where I am right now. And then my first venture investment, uh, was in, was back in at the very beginning around that time was 2012 when I invested in in a startup uh, manufacturing automotive parts. Um, and that's a, a multi-million dollar company today uh, that's manufacturing aftermarket motorcycle parts. And so that's e-commerce and the manufacturing side of businesses. And then um, founded the Millionaire Hairstylist with my partner, Jordan. Um, and that is a company that is just dedicated to elevating the industry's financial education and improving their financial well-being through their businesses and teaching them how to, uh, multiply money and how to do that through their creative craft. And so I'm investing in a couple of other ventures now, um, hair care company and uh, a couple of other things, but those are the, those are the primary things I'm working on right now. 
You know, a couple different things here. So a couple comments. First of all, I don't think I've ever used this term on light bulb moments, but I would have to say that you have what's called the Midas touch. <laughs> well, I just, no, I only told you the things that worked out. <laughs> There's a lot of other stuff. I had started an electric motorcycle company that didn't work, Moto Operandi, Operandi, and uh, I started a film company that didn't work, and so there's there's plenty of things that were uh, that I lost on, and plenty of mistakes I've made investing. And I think uh, it's easy to just hear the uh, hear the stuff that worked out. <laughs> I'm going to get to Jordan in a moment here, but another comment. So, Cash, I guess it's fair to say you're an example of a hairdresser that made decent money, um, unlike what much is reported out there. You know, you know, you had me out as a guest to talk specifically about the compensation study and, you know, the perception versus reality. And here we have a reality of someone that has had a great career as a hairstylist, been able to put some money aside, invest smartly. And I want to congratulate you because we need more stories like this um, because the narrative is not always the story. So congratulations. And I'm super excited about what you've done in life. And, you know, it's great to have you on as a guest. We're going to keep going here. But Jordan, how did you get involved in all this? I met Cash over a decade ago, started uh, as a friend through mutual friends. At a certain point, he was, I was paying him to cut my hair. And, um, and that was quite exciting to have someone who was cutting Justin Bieber's hair and also my hair. And, and we would spend many hours together talking as, as uh, during these cuts and spending time together as friends. And meanwhile, I left a seven year career in marketing to work in the film industry, realized I didn't want to spend my life selling Frito-Lay potato chips. I wanted to try making films that I believed in. And so I went to the bottom of that ladder, literally as an intern and as a production assistant, climb my way up through that industry. And at a certain point, as we were in sort of the throes of COVID and the industry was for the most part shut down, I made a list and I said, who are some of the people that I would love to work with? And Cash was on that list. And I called Cash and I said, you know, Cash, you are cutting celebrities hair. You're flying all over the country. And this is what he was doing at the time. This is 2021. You're cutting all these people's hair uh, and you're investing in real estate in Texas and you're running this e-commerce business. You, We should make a reality show about your life. We talked about that for about 15 minutes and realized pretty quickly, okay, that may not make the most sense. But what would make sense would be to tr take what Cash has learned from becoming a millionaire as a hairstylist, which he did, and then understanding how he then made other investments and built other businesses and the, and the concepts and the, 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 the structures and the, the methods used to do that and share that with hairstylists because that's what was happening to Cash, if I can speak about him here as, you know, in his story is people were coming up to him on set saying, hey, how are you buying property? Like, how are you getting, getting involved in real estate? How are you able to have this life beyond the chair? Like, as, as you like to say, and that was the origin of the millionaire hairstylist. So I still work most of my, my life in film. And this is a, a sort of a side vocation and side, um, effort that Cash and I have been building over the past few years, and it's been an extremely rewarding uh, experience building this this uh, this community. Cash, why is it important to you to address the well-being of fellow hairdressers? It completely changed my life. I mean, like Jordan said, the the uh, the shift in my mind happened when I used to when I started my career. I would look at everybody and think, "Gosh, there's." They have so much money, they're doing so many amazing things. And I was so broke and I was in New York City. And then 
over time, what I learned was they just looked like they had a lot of money. And so I started picking up bad habits and I started acting like I had the money that they had. And turns out nobody had any money. And I was like, when the con when it started to, you know, uh, I started investing in properties and I was investing in properties from set. So I was calling and negotiating deals and closing on houses and working with contractors across the country as I'm traveling. And, uh, and people are like, what are you doing? What, what are you? So as I explained things, people would be like, Hey, so I'm, I'm a little worried because I've been doing this for 25 years and I've got X amount of money and I'm terrified that like, I've been a freelance hairstylist, a makeup artist. I've been a freelance photographer. And all, the, all this time, I thought everyone was just crushing it financially. It just looked that way. And so what I, I woke up to like, whoa, there, there's actually a huge need for a greater degree of financial sophistication in this realm of creatives. From Because the people I was working with are hair, fellow hairstylists, makeup artists, photographers, digital techs, you know, like these are all creative people uh, with creative professions and and so I thought, you know what? Well, why don't I just share what I've learned? So we started sharing that on Clubhouse. We were like, hey, well, let's just see <laughs> if right. people are even interested in these topics. Maybe it's going to bore them to tears. And, um, and we grew quite a little following. And so we thought, you know, let's just share it through a podcast. We created some courses and tried to, you know, tried to share it and share financial education in an organized manner. And it's been a really, really, really incredible journey connecting with all these people and watching them go from like six figure to seven figure uh, experiences like in a little room with us as we're kind of coaching people through stuff. So it's, it's really, really cool. You know, I've re reflected on what you do and area you focus on and also what we do here at Cunity with our financial curriculums. And what I really love about what you're doing is a lot of what we teach in our money EDU for students or money pro for professionals is, is the basics, it's the foundations, you know, meeting them where they're at in a simple and visual approach and really giving them a very, very strong foundation of, you know, financial education. Where we kind of drop off is in many cases where you come in. So if someone's really mastered the fundamentals and now they're in a save mode and they really want to be very aggressive in terms of their earnings and they want to go beyond the basics and ultimately build wealth. And I love that you get into that and create this path for someone to get beyond the basics, but now move up into a, yeah, I mean, you can develop significant liquidity with smart decisions. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, I think, yes, you can. Yeah, you certainly can. And I, and I really do think it's uh, the, the foundation of it is just with a little bit of education, you can feel a lot more confident. And with that confidence achieved through competence, you start making consecutively better decisions. You're more confident to take on the necessary risk to, to get rewards. All great rewards are accompanied by some level of risk, whether it's a relationship or an investment. And so there's, I think there's, there's two things that are really, really important, you know, before you do that, you got to know where you are and you need to know who you are. And from there, you can start under, you can start learning strategies and understanding money. And it's a lot less complicated than the financial industry has made it out, made, made all of us to believe <laughs> by yeah. over-financializing everything. Jordan, you know, you, I, I, you know, you've sort of got the bug here. You bit the bug here a little bit in terms of the beauty industry. You've got your heart into this too, huh? Cause you haven't had to show up for a lot of these meetings, you know, but you've joined in. And so um, is it fair to say you've developed a fair amount of passion for the professional beauty industry and the hairdresser too in this journey? Otherwise, 
you're putting a lot of time in this, aren't you? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because what I've learned through spending time first with cash and then over the years, more recently, obviously spending copious amounts of time with hairstylists, we we have these group monthly coaching sessions and we do our podcast is, you know, you really start to understand that people who are intrinsically creatives and really you kind of have to be to be in hair, you know, this is not a spreadsheet type of job. It's not engineering. It is a creative art form. And I came from a family of creatives. Um, my mm -hmm. father is a fine artist. My brother is a wood, wood crafter. My other brother is a composer. And I work every single day as a film producer with creatives. And so when you understand people who approach the world from that perspective, and then there is this myth we like to say, and Cash has spent probably the better part of the last three years basically dispelling this myth. I'm a creative. I can't be good with money. I'm a creative. I can't the starving be starving artist. The starving artist. And I think that fundamentally is what we reject. And that's what I think I'm very inspired by is that, and of course we're doing this with hairstylists, that's our, our focus is, hey, you can have this creative skill set and this creative passion that really makes you come alive. That does not mean that you need to retire without retirement. That does not mean you need to be behind the chair for the rest of your life. That does not mean you can't build a thriving business. That does not mean you can't build your building. That does not mean you can't understand money. And so, it's a, it's a community of people that are, are a smaller subset of a larger community of creatives that I have a real passion and understanding and, and uh, a certain level of, of love for, for, for sure. Cash, we were talking a little bit about, you know, some of the succession planning work that we do. And you said you, you've, you've really never done the exit planning because you're in a grow mode. I mean, you're, <laughs> you're buying, you know, yeah. but I asked you a question. I mean, you're, you get into, you're an investor, you have like an investment company and all of that. And, and I threw out a scenario at you and, you know, so let's say that we have a salon. This is really timely as I think of succession planning and all that. So let's say you're a salon owner and I'm just going to pick an arbitrary number like mid fifties and you put your, your head, heart, all your ATM, your attention, time and money into building this salon business, one location, multi-location, whatever. And you reach the point where you're going to bring in partners, sell the business, whatever, and you get liquidity, you know, you have money. And now obviously that gets into a whole thing of financial planning or whatever. But what insights do you have as a salon owners getting to that point? And there's, there's um, hope um, that they'll get a check, you know, what, 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 where do you go with that? I think the first thing I, and I can only speak for myself, I can't give financial advice, um, but the first thing I would be thinking about is where am I? Like I talked about earlier, where am I and who am I? I always start with where am I? And we use a roadmap called the three phases of wealth. So in the three phases of wealth, what we call the first, the first phase is maximize earned income. So you wanna build up the highest earned income you possibly can. So let's assume this person did that. And then there's the second phase, which most people skip in wealth building, and that's invest in growth assets. So you, you wanna buy things that grow in value and put money in your pocket. So you wanna own or control things that put money in your pocket uh, and grow in value. And the third phase is once that has grown to a significant amount of wealth, you wanna allocate to passive income because then you wanna replace your income that you earn and then maybe get a lot more flexibility in life. So the age that you mentioned was the critical defining factor of the, of the primary decision here. And so I would have to assume that this person, I'll have to assume a lot about this person. They're making their first exit. They're gonna get their first windfall. Did you put a number to it? Let's say it's a half a million. Half a million, okay. 
Um, they're 50 years old. So I'm going to assume that they already have other investments. They've already been investing into other things. So this is not the only thing that they have. But so the probably first thing, the primary. Probably, probably the primary. Primary for sure. Yeah. The largest slice of the pie. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Largest, largest slice of the pie. Uh, yeah. First thing I would figure out is, am, do I want... Um, so now that I know where I am, so on this, what I'm looking to do, we're going to assume that this person is probably going to be looking for some form of passive income uh, to be produced from this. So then if they're not looking for growth assets, which typically are accompanied by a little greater uh, risk, and you're looking for faster growth uh, through, through equity gains and, and all of that, um, they're looking for a vehicle to put their money into that probably is going to fit some criteria and I would imagine that this is where an investor's criteria comes in. So you get a pile of money, you get some money. The first thing you do is stop and you take tally of where you are. What do I have? What do I have going on? What are my expenses? You really get, get clear on everything you have and everything where you are right now. That's what's my active income? What's my passive income? What is, what is, uh, what's my net worth? What are these basic like financial KPIs, right? You find that out and then you determine where do you want to go? So are you looking for, you know, 500 grand a year in passive income? Because, you know, that's going to be really hard to achieve. So you want to find out what you're looking for and that's your criteria. So you establish where do I want to go from here? What's the goal? And then you plan. And so those are the three things that I would start doing. I want to figure out exactly where I am, which means get really, really clear on where you're at, what you have, what's going on in your financial picture, if you don't already, um, what and what opportunity am I looking for? And thirdly, the, the thing that I said earlier is you want to know who you are. Um, great investors understand their risk tolerance. They understand their, their aptitudes, their weaknesses. Are they impulsive? You know, and so part of what we teach about money is there's like, there's several tests you can take on understanding who you are, how you react, how you behave. Those are critically important before making investment decisions. There are lots of options out there uh, for passive income. There's, there's a lot of options. I think the first one I might be considering is uh, if I am selling this and I'm about to get something, some things I want to be considering is the tax implications of the way I would be receiving this money. So how much of it am I actually going to get to keep? Or is there something I could do which would reduce those tax implications? So for example, um, if I'm looking for passive income, I may want to do what's called a seller carry, which means I don't want you to pay me everything at once. I'd just like to pay you, you to pay me every single month, but at a higher premium. So there's an interest rate for me carrying this debt on the business and, and allowing you to purchase it. And that way you pay me Maybe the purchase price plus 10% over the next 20 years, or maybe 10 years or five years. But pause there. So this yeah. is seller financing of a sale of a business. You, you see some advantages to that. Yeah, there are, there are yeah. certainly advantages tax-wise, right? Because it's not going to spike yeah. your tax bracket up really quick. And, you know, you lose 37% of, of what you receive in your gain to taxes. So that if you know you have a really high income year to high income tax bracket, but maybe the following year you won't have income, you maybe want to do that. And that's, a, that's something you want to discuss with your CPA. So how am I going to receive these funds in the most tax-advantaged way possible? Because it is the biggest no return liability you'll have on the sale of a of a business and so that's just one thing uh that you could consider is how much am i going to get to keep of this and how do i want to receive the funds i think it's a really smart place to start let's spend just a quick second and i'm going to uh, move the conversation uh, into some other areas in a moment here but um 
And, you know, as you said, you're not a financial advisor, you're an educator and, you know, and some of this is, is going to be basic stuff to people in terms of build a plan and all of that. And, um, uh, and, and the, your wisdom is, is, is awesome. Talk about real estate for a moment, different scenario. You have, you know, uh, many salon owners that really are thinking about buying the building they're in and just take just a minute or so and really, you know, a lot of people are like, yes, I want to do it, don't know how to do it or mm -hmm. what are the advantages. So just some quick, you know, because you're a real estate guy and that's where yeah. you definitely got some additional deep expertise. For sure. Yeah, I think um, for me, own as much real estate uh, in your business as possible. That That's a that's a mantra of mine. If, if you can own it, own it. Um, and that you need to obviously work out the numbers and make sure it makes financial sense because there mm -hmm. are certain scenarios where renting is better. And in that case, you don't want to own it. <laughs> you want to look for the right things, own the right things. So there's a 4F formula that, um, that I teach, and that's the find it, fund it, fix it, and flip it. And that is the basic formula for re owning real estate and profiting from it. So finding it means... Uh, if you're looking for a commercial building, it's a pretty simple way to find commercial buildings. You get a commercial broker uh, who starts looking for you. you. It's very, very uncommon. You find like off market commercial properties. And right now has probably never, there hasn't been a better time or a better exit entry time in commercial real estate because the prices are plummeting and banks are looking to get these things off their books. So um, you would be looking for a deal. So you want to buy it at the right price and find it. You can find it through a broker. Funding it. There's several ways that you can fund the purchase of real estate in your business. You can finance it. You can uh, raise money for it. You can get a bank to cover 70% while you and you, you put some family members and friends together to cover the other 30%. Um, or you can just buy it outright cash. So that kind of depends on the position that you're in, the building you're looking at. So funding it, there's several options. Most of those include a relationship with a bank of some kind. So typically the bank on commercial loans, they're going to cover about 70% um, of the purchase price or the, the value that you're, that you're purchasing for. Then you have, after you've financed the building, you have to fix it, right? So you got to make it a salon. <laughs> so you have to add that equity. Um, so when you are looking at the building to purchase, you'll want to purchase at a price that allows you to put money into it to put to make it the place that you need it to be to run the business, but then still have plenty of equity so that if you sold it that day and never turned it into a business or a salon, you'd still make money. So you never want to buy a piece of property and hope that it goes up in value. Appreciation in real estate is a bonus benefit of real estate. It's, it's not the it is not the goal of real estate. You don't try to like double your net worth every year with real estate. So then after you fix it, you flip it and flipping it doesn't mean selling it all the time. Flipping something just means turning a profit from it. So that could be that you turn it into a functioning high profitable salon and, uh, and you're generating profit from it that way. You build out your first salon model and maybe from that building, you franchise from there. You sell your franchise business, but you purchase the real estate for every franchisee like McDonald's does. I'm a huge fan of owning more real estate, but selling your business model. Um, and there are, uh, you could sell the building later on down the line. And, and you could also rent that building to another operator down the line. You can do triple net leasing and there's, there's plenty of ways to profit from owning that real estate. But what I love about owning real estate in your business is that you have options. It gives you a lot of options to make profit other than going in and working every single day. 
Um, and so I am a huge fan of owning real estate in, in, uh, in any way possible in your business. Can I, I emphasize love. something there, Tom, that Cash um, says very articulately, but I think people often sometimes miss, which is Cash has purchased a lot of real estate as a real estate investor. And we talk to our students about buying real estate. But one of the things I think people most misunderstand is what Cash said a second ago, which is buying a property in the hopes that the value will go up is not the strategy that you want to enter into purchasing real estate with. Because people have this idea, because the property values have gone up so much, we have this idea of like, oh, it's like a stock. You buy low, sell high. But what happens is then people go and they buy things at retail prices, what they're what they're what they cost right now to to buy and then they're just hoping the price is going to go up and cash what i've watched him do as a as a partner of his and then of course because of that i'm sort of tangential to the other businesses that i've watched him run and particularly in real estate is cash is all cash spends the majority of his time looking for underpriced property undervalued property property that is worth 100 that he can buy for 50 maybe it's a foreclosure maybe there's a tenant that needs you know there, so there's lots of situations we can get into the details of how that happens and then obviously as we said in commercial real estate that's an opportunity that a lot of people may have because so many people are underwater on their commercial uh, uh, properties but you don't just go buy the sticker price and hope that goes up you have to go look for opportunities where something is worth less than what the market will value at if you renovate it if you know whatever things need to happen to it and that's how you are protecting yourself as opposed to buying something at market value and then if the price doesn't go up because we're about to enter some turbulent times you're not sitting there with a property suddenly that you can't sell i uh i i cued into that also jordan when he said that 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 was yeah. like a light bulb moment for me and i I really think our listeners will find that as a light bulb moment in this episode is that that that's a really important insight. And um, uh, Carlos saying these guys are speaking my language. Yeah. And, you know, I know I know a lot of the guests, including I'm going to give another shout out to, to uh, Frank and uh, Jana Westerbeek. Um, they do so many great things. And they're Frank is really into real estate, uh, Frank Westerbeek. And I don't know if you know Frank, but you'll hopefully meet him soon at one of our events, including I'm going to get to that in a moment. But, uh, yeah, I, I love that clarity about purpose of buying real estate. And you have another purpose as the actual owner tenant, you know. Uh, yep. Guys, I'm I'm looking at the clock here. Uh, Jordan, if you were to share anything else for our listeners that you feel would be relevant, anything we've already discussed or any other final points you want to make, go for it. I'll, I'll, I'll put a quick one. Cash said this recently, and I just really appreciate it. And everyone who's in this room, I think, can already relate to this, but I'll emphasize it. And I think this is also the reason for Cash's success. Big setup, right? Uh, Cash said recently, when you're lost, learn. And I think that one of the fallacies, if I can, if I may, about creatives is that they tend to be a little bit reluctant to educate themselves. There's a fear about topics they don't know about. And so I would just say, if you're listening to this, you're already on the right track. If you're listening to our podcast, that's what we attempt to do is provide that education. But this information is out there when it comes to finances and when it comes to growing yourself financially. And just to put a point on that, when Cash was starting to get into real estate, there was two years where he would come to cut my hair and there'd be a book in his hand that was this thick of him reading about how to invest in real estate and understanding valuing properties and understanding the finances. So this is not a uh, this is not a cute exercise of, of financial being lucky. This is years of education that Cash put in, learning from, paying coaches, paying mentors, reading books. You have to do that. And it's worth it. The ROI on that is substantial, but it takes that time that you have to put in. I've watched Cash every morning put three, four hours in of education, even today on the things he's trying to do. So make that your North Star, what you're learning and allow your actions to come from that as opposed to what do I do? It's like, no, go learn something, go, go educate yourself. And that's how you'll make wise investments and wise decisions with your money. Yeah. That's kind of a great closing there. When you're lost, learn, 
Yeah. Um, that's cash. That's all cash. Yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> I've been uh, lost I, many times. <laughs> I, I wrote that one down. And, you know, for those of us that are in the education industry, that provides a lot of hope because I do believe that um, learning is the key to um, taking a light bulb moment and doing something with it. You know, it's Absolutely. one thing to have a light bulb moment to be in the real estate, but then to actually have the rigor and the uh, you know, discipline to go in and say, hey, I'm lost and I'm going to learn and I'm going to be super committed. So uh, Millionaire Hairstylist, Carla, uh, is the name of their podcast. Um, Cash, your partner had a bit of a zinger there. Do you have anything else that you want to close with? It's not fair to follow him up with his <laughs> public speaking skills. Um, I oh, would you say do just the- fine, Cash. <laughs> he, he does way better than he gives himself credit for. Uh, um, I think, and this is a, this is a, a new thing for me, a very new thing and something that has changed my life as an ambitious entrepreneur and investor, I've taken some risks in life. And, uh, I mean, I read in one of my journals from like a decade, over a decade ago, I don't know, 14 years ago, something like that. And it's, I, and I, and I wrote, I have no money to buy a bed. My back hurts. I've spent every dime I have on real estate. And I would say, um, as I speak with creatives, as I learn from creatives, as I'm in the room from creatives, I mean, we've, we, we get DMs from them, messages, and, and I've spent a decade working side by side with creatives. Um, they can be a little risk averse and for completely understandable reasons. And this goes back to kind of what Jordan says, when you learn all it takes is a little bit of education and to gain that competence and with competence comes confidence and with confidence things don't seem as risky anymore right doesn't seem as scary anymore uh to 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 make an investment to buy your building and it's almost the number one thing i see holding people back from financial success is a fear to make a move Mm -hmm. and so if you're scared Start learning something, start gaining that competence. It fills you with confidence. Take a step forward. You're gonna have to take some risks. And I think being able to take some risks, some calculated risks with a little bit of education can teach you so much about yourself. And typically it winds up being like, okay, I did it, I stepped forward. Okay, I did it, step forward. Don't be scared of taking risks. It was the number one regret in a Harvard study that they did, uh, did uh, Harvard Business Journal did of aging and dying people that they did not take enough risks. So I would say it sounds like bad advice, but muster up some ability to take some risks. And that, that, would, be, that would be what I would encourage people to do. Let's give these two gentlemen a big virtual round of applause. Uh, don't go anywhere. I have to get something off my shelf here. Stay there. Give them, a, give them a shout out in the chat, everybody. I'll be right back. Thank you, everyone. If anyone is clapping, we can't hear you. <laughs> I can I can see the hearts and uh, I see some, hearts. Yes. some nice things in the chat. Thank you, Marty and Susan and Lisa. We appreciate you. What's that, Tom? Welcome to our brain trust. Um, you will soon be getting a million dollar light bulb. Um, Amazing. So, uh, thank That's you for awesome. being a guest of Light Bulb Moments. Uh, give these guys a virtual round of Amazing. applause. Thank you, you guys. Great shout outs. Gentlemen, you got it on your calendar. I'm going to hold you to it. May 19th. Cash, it's an easy drive over the over to Austin for you, Jordan. I hope you can make it too because I got some friends' houses I can crash. So let's All do right. it. Crash at Cash's, and it's <laughs> May nineteenth. Um, celebration of light bulb moments. We're going to honor all of our um, uh, past guests, including both of you guys. We're going to have a hell of a night. 
Awesome. Um, I've started to seed in our theme this year, which is a black and white night. And we have some really cool stuff going on May 19th. So hopefully everybody will get to meet you guys in person, including myself. That's right. Yes. Got to connect those dots. Yeah, it's yes. weird that we haven't met in person. That is very strange. I, I, I love what you guys are doing and it's a great share. And uh, um, from the very beginning, we developed a very warm relationship and that is only going to continue. Um, we have a few more fans out there in addition to myself and Aaron and our team. So once again, thanks to you guys. Thank you so much, Tom. Thank you, Tom. All right, everybody, I want to give a shout out to Lightheart Sanders. Um, speaking of Lightheart Sanders, I know when we're talking about real estate, uh, Jared, uh, Jared Sanders, actually, at one of our conferences, uh, did a mini segment on real estate tax advantages, whatever. So certainly uh, um, make sure they get the right advice when you uh, venture into these type of territories. So uh, happy Valentine's Day to everybody. Thanks for joining us. Bye now. Thank you.